Hello, welcome to Conversations on the Turtle. I'm Danielle. And I'm Cecilia. And today we are reading from Ashtanga Hridayam, Chapter 1. Uh, we left off on page 11, a whole one or two pages after our last podcast, <laughs> and um, on the uh, Gurvadi Gunas, uh, the qualities. Uh, so we're going to be covering that today, and then we'll see where we get from there. Um, do we want to talk about anything else before we dive in, or should we just dive in today? Uh, let's just dive in today and see yeah. what happens. Let's uh, go for it. <laughs> all right. Here we go. It's a party. Um, I'll start. Okay. You, all right. So, Gurvadi Gunaha qualities. Guru, heavy, manda, slow, hima, cold, snigda, unctuous, shlakshna, smooth, sandra, solid, mridu, soft, stiraha, stable, sukshma, minute or stable, and vishada, non-slimy. These ten, along with their respective opposites, are the twenty gunas, qualities, properties of substances. And the notes um, reveal the, the note says the above statement can be elaborated as follows. So we're going to go through each of them. Um, and it goes like this. Guru Manda Himas Nigda Shlakshna Sandra Mridu Stiraha Sukshma Vishada. And their opposites are Laghu Tikshna Ushna Ruksha Kara Drava Katina Chala Stula Pitchala. And in English, those are heavy and light, slow and fast, cold and hot, unctuous and dry, smooth and rough, solid and liquid, soft and hard, stable and moving or unstable, subtle or small and big and gross, non-slimy and slimy. And those are the gunas. Those are the gunas, which it seems, I mean, it feels like almost every shloka in this introduction is, um, they're deceptively easy, right? You read through and that sounds so simple, but it's like such a big concept, these, the qualities and their opposites. Yes. Um... Such a big concept that I've taken no notes on this section. <laughs> because when you study Ayurveda, I feel like you spend like maybe like the entire time studying, learning to recognize or see the gunas in life. And you're, I'm still learning. And um, I'm like, where the hell do you begin with this one? Um, the one thing I did write down was that... Um, <clears throat> well, I guess I don't know if I want to go through them all. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, in some way it can be really helpful, but it might be, hey, if we ever have guests, it might be kind of fun to like play a game to get people to name certain things that are like unctuous or hard mm. in life. <laughs> right? I wonder, yeah. you know what's, okay, so I think that Maybe 
one interesting thing to do here would to say would be to if I were to choose a guna that I find I often find in real life that um, helps me to reveal an imbalance in people or in things it's um, tikshna hmm. and uh, tikshna I I recognize it as a pitta imbalance and because um, it's associated with pitta but when I it's funny because I often translate it as pointed and yeah. I notice that when people it, it almost like ties to the concept of rajas which will come up more later but um in my mind and when i find that people are moving in a direction so like quick and fast would be like it's when you're moving quick and fast there's a goal there's an end point and it's almost like rushing to get to the end of something and that's why i think of pointed when i hear tikshna and um and I can tell, it, it kind of helps me to see when people are moving erratically, which would be like Vata, when they're moving because they can't find solid ground and they're sort of up in the air, versus when they're moving toward a point, they have an end destination or a goal that they're fixated on. Um, and that's how, that's the difference I see. Like that Tikshna is the difference I can like sometimes nail when something is like Vata, when Vata is the source or when Pitta is the source. I like that. <clears throat> I was also thinking it might be interesting to think of if if either of us or your current life has a, uh, a quality at the current moment. But hmm. I really like that Tikshna is a, an indicator because it really is. In our society, we really we put a lot of value on things being quick and fast, right? If somebody is quick, that's good in many ways. Like they're a quick thinker, they're quick on their feet. That's a yeah. compliment generally versus yeah. somebody being slow. <laughs> um, yeah. Claudia Welch has this thing about your slow friend, which doesn't sound like a compliment telling your friend they're slow, but a slow friend is sometimes what we want. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Someone with a little more kapha that's grounded. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it's... So, it, we're July 13th, I think, today. Is that the date? Yeah. Um, in 2020. And so, this is... Everything is still going on with uh, the coronavirus. And we are all... As a country, we have... We are trying to quickly move back to quote-unquote normal. And that's kind of biting us. <laughs> it keeps on biting us over and over again. I mean, how many states are still having their highest uh rate of infection that they've had since this started we're moving too quick we could all do with a little bit more manda in this process yeah it's interesting too to um i know i i like to i don't know if i've ever mentioned this in the podcast before but i've definitely mentioned it to you but um i really like to analyze society in terms of the gunas that are present in like the culture of uh, a nation its peoples a region whatever and um i often think of the united states as being very pitta oriented um there is this desire to conquer or uh, accumulate things but not in a hoarding way like kapha but more like in a pointed like check the boxes check the lists like get all of the um 
like Claudia Welch says, she says you get your dot com, you get your <laughs> your Mister, your Mrs., your Doctor, your PhDs, your whatever, all of the things that you add to the end of your name, like your accomplishments, you know. And um, in the United States, where I feel like, and probably everywhere else in the world, but I'm just going to speak for the U.S. right now, um, there is a lot of emphasis on that being essential to you being a member of society or to participating in society and right now people are kind of prevented from doing that and so they're channeling that kind of tikshna that like pointed focused goal-oriented movement that they're used to um they're used to doing they're used to have it having to do or you know being told that they have to do it's being channeled into other things and they're having a hard time like finding where to put that energy um yeah and, and then with, definitely yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah i like i like to i think that like the united states is like a pitta it's like a pitta nation with a vata imbalance. <laughs> I think I agree with that. <laughs> it might be a pitta nation with a vata pitta imbalance, but <laughs> but it's a lot of pitta up in there. Yeah, and yeah. so I mean, this the fact that we're all being forced to slow down a little bit right now probably puts that into relief for so many people. Beatrix is trying to grab the microphone. She's now super interested in whatever I'm doing. So like my cup or my bowl. And right now, since I'm facing the microphone, she wants the microphone too. So n- nothing is yours now. <laughs> nothing is mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's the beginning of that. <laughs> I, want, m- I want, I <laughs> want. <laughs> um, yeah. I I like that idea of thinking about our societies and you can think of the whole country, right? But you can also think of your own community and what, um, what qualities it has. And as we said, you know, last time we talked about the whole medicine, poison, food thing, that's important. Um, and I don't know if it was last time or the time before the whole principle of, um, like increases like, I mean, this is so, I mean, the, the qualities are what to think about in your life. So if you do have too much tikshna, if you are, if you do feel like there's too much quickness and fastness, um, doing things quicker or adding more to do is not the answer, right? Yeah. Yeah. The impatience is, that's just going to make it worse or increase it, um, versus slowing down will actually be the medicine for you. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what gunas are present in your life right now? All right. Um, so we definitely have some Ushna going on because it's summer here in Virginia. Um, and there's a certain amount of, I don't know, would you put humidity under unctuousness or under drava? I would say almost unctuousness, but yeah, I think so. And unctuousness is maybe more oily, but so yeah. maybe it is just more liquid. Um, <coughs> those are the two prominent in my current environment of <laughs> just, we are, we had a lot of hot and liquid going on. And then in my life, I would say, um, we feel pretty.
pretty, we, we do feel pretty Manda right now. Like, my day-to-day feels pretty slow, which is nice. I don't know if it feels stable yet, but definitely slow. How yeah. about you? <laughs> well, um, it is humid and hot up here, but we do have, um, it's not nearly as humid as it is where you are. Um, but I would say, you know, weather-wise, little, little Ushna. Um, Snigda, I kind of think Snigda might be the way to describe, uh, humidity because humidity kind of like, it isn't liquid. It's like, it like wraps around the skin. And like, if you yeah, have, that's right. <laughs> it is, it is yeah, more <laughs> yeah. And like, if you have too much humidity and you have a lot of kapha in your system, like, for example, like doing abiyanga, like oil massage is like not going to help you. You know, like I think people with a lot of kapha can't handle that. So like I think snigda might be the word. Um, I actually, in my life right now, I actually feel uh, stira. Uh, I feel quite stable. Um, I feel very grounded. And... I would say it's the first time I've felt really grounded in a long time. And I think that um, maybe uh, I think doing this podcast helps with that <laughs> because, because like I'm working towards goals. Um, but like we've also gotten used to the flow of life during lockdown or whatever we're in. We're in like phase three of reopening, um, but we're not really engaging in a lot of that. So I'm not feeling... Um, I'm not feeling the, uh, let's see, before I felt a little bit unstable, so chala, um, and I felt almost lagu, like my thoughts were going too fast, or I'd have to, like, look at my phone too much to check on the news, that's, like, a lot of lagu, like, you know, going from one thing to the next, like, there isn't enough weighing you down to keep you stable, um, and that capacity i guess um in that way maybe um so i think maybe stira and i want to say um i want to say guru but or manda but i don't feel too it's not like in an extreme way but things are kind of moving slowly but in a in the way that they're stable so and um and they are a little heavy but because, like, I have too much kava and I'm not moving that much. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> it's a neat exercise, I think, to think, to step back and consider what's going on in your own life, though. Like, if you had to describe it. Um, right? And it, yeah. yeah. I, like, didn't do think to do this before we started talking. And now that I'm doing it, I'm like, huh. <laughs> I gotta take a walk today. yeah it kind of it can direct you right it can direct your own actions and it becomes the whole like self-healing part of ayurveda right your awareness or i mean just that's the first step right awareness like oh i feel cold i mean i want to go back to to our vata when i was super vata deranged yeah you know i i was like really light it was too quick and fast i was really cold so i had all these qualities that were vata and if i had stopped and like to think about them i would have thought oh i don't need more cold in my life like i don't need more movement i need slowness definitely interact that same same thing like if i think about my vata period i was you know 
light and I was freezing. And when I started like learning about Ayurveda, I was like, oh, I eat salads constantly. Like that's, it's cold, you know, or um, it just made so much sense. And, but I needed the, you know, I needed to know how it would make sense in order to stop doing it. <laughs> so maybe if there are people out there listening, it could be a fun exercise. Um before we started recording, we also talked about how if you have a routine for 30 days, it can kind of really change what's happening in your life. And I think just taking time each day to consider the qualities can be really helpful. Um, yeah. And ju- in, it, just from an awareness perspective at first, not in a judgmental like, oh, I feel so hot. But um, just in like, oh, today I feel this way and I felt this way for the last 10 days. Um, do I, is it okay? Is it in a healthy way that, you know, that you were saying that you feel heavy and slow or is it in an unhealthy way that you feel heavy and slow? Also like balanced is maybe a better word. Getting in the habit of checking in with your body connects your body to your mind. Like it's just like, it's an actual acknowledgement that something is happening and your mind, you can just like ignore it or like you won't, if you don't acknowledge, then you won't. Um, it won't fully connect, you know, like right. you won't fully realize what's going on. Um, and the other thing is, don't they say like in Ayurveda, don't they say it takes about 30 days for your cellular structure to rebuild completely? It's like 30 to 40 days. So yeah. you yep. have to do something for 30 days for your body to like, for your cells to get in line with it. I am. Um... I suspect this is the case, though I don't know this. I can't. I can't reference anything right now. Um, but I bet you're creating different neural pathways when yeah. you start asking those questions, and it becomes easier, and you can you can kind of check in with it um, more regularly. The more you do it, definitely, definitely. They also I forget like I don't know. They say it like takes thirty days to like create a habit. So that's. That's yeah. another way to say the same thing. Um, I'm not really good at like looking into the Western science between all behind all this stuff because um, I kind of resent it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of, it feels kind of tough that you always have to have a scientific reference for everything, right? When you can right. say like, well, intuitively, if you do something, it's easier to do it you know, the 10th time than it was the first time. And the 10,000th time is much easier. So why do we need a study to say that? Yeah. Why do we need science to validate our our feelings or like our experiences? Like that's, (laughs) that really bugs me. Um, So your, your feelings and your experiences are valid. That's what I'm saying here. All right, well, then I'm just going to say it. I bet by doing this, you're creating new neural pathways in your body. Great. And uh, <laughs> it will become easier. I, I can almost guarantee that if you do this every day for 30 days, it will be easier on the 30th day than it was on the first. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, <laughs> shall we go on to cause yeah, of disease I, and health? Yeah, I think so, because um, I think the the qualities will just come back over and over again. And instead of just like going through and naming things that are hard, um, I think it's probably, yeah. They're going to come up again and again for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly every time you listen to us. So, (laughs) all right. Uh, Roga, a Roga, uh, Karna. 
Causes of disease and health. So Hina, inadequate poor. Mithya, improper perverse. And Ati, excess. Yoga, association, contact union, union of Kala, season. Arta, objects of senses. And Karma, activities, functions, are the chief cause of diseases. Whereas their Samyak Yoga, proper contact association is the chief, chief cause of health. And then note that this will be described in detail in chapter 12. Um, do you want me to keep reading? Do a um, little bit? Or do you want to talk about that one? You know, uh, it kind of ties into the next one. Yeah. Combine them. Okay. So, uh, roga or disease. Roga disease is the effect of disequilibrium of the doshas, while health is the result of the equilibrium of the doshas. And the note is, each of the doshas possessing its specific quantity, quality, and functions is known as its samya, equilibrium, whereas increase, vridi, and decrease, shaya, in its quantity, one or more of its qualities and functions are known as vishayama, disequilibrium. Um, yeah, I can, let me keep going too. So roga disease is said to be of two kinds, nija, organic, arising from the body itself, and aigantu, uh, traumatic, arising from external causes. So there of disease, adhistana, seat, nidis, res, uh, residence, is also of two kinds, kaya, the body, and manas, the mind. So disease can be in the body or the mind. And rajas and tamas are enumerated as the doshas of the mind, of, of the manas, the mind. So sattva, the note is sattva, rajas, and tamas are note as the three mahagunas. They are primary or natural uh, qualities responsible for creation of all the substances of the world and said to be present in every one of them and concerned with intelligent stuff. Out of them, sattva is considered to be pure and not having any bad effect, whereas the other two are bad and having bad effects. Hence, rajas and tamas are considered as the doshas of the mind when they become increased above the specific limit. So that's not saying that you don't need any rajas and tamas. You just, you don't want to go above. We, we need both of them. Mm. I think, so, so on cause of disease and health, so basically improper whether that be wrong excessive or not enough use of objects of the senses as they pertain to the season and their functions is what causes disease and proper use is what causes health so all of the senses and those that includes the mind if you are using them or if you are using if you're overusing your senses if you are abusing them you will get sick if you are taking yes. in yeah. too much smell, too much taste, too much sound, too much touch, or improper touch, uh, improper sounds, um, you will get sick. And um, and I think this idea of proper, um, when you're taking in things that are proper, I think that the um, manasika doshas, um, the doshas of the mind, um, help to explain what proper is or help to define it and um 
it's because it's funny how it says that Ramas, Rajas and Thomas are bad um, when increased above the specific limit. So we we each have a base limit, you know, that we we have that keeps us going. So like we have enough Rajas to keep us moving towards goals or whatever, you know, and then we have enough Thomas to help us fall asleep at night. And we have enough Rajas to get us excited, but like too much excitement is poison. <laughs> too much sleep is poison. Um, and so, you know, too much, uh, a really exciting scent, for example, like if you like love, I don't know, a certain smell. If you, like, you know, people who douse themselves in perfume. Like, they yes. like it. Like, it, in my mind, it's almost like a rajasic kind of attachment to this scent. So, you know, they're like, oh, I love this smell. And then next thing you know, they're, like, drenched in it. And after a while, it starts making them feel sick. Because they're, like, smelling right. too much of it. It's too much. Yeah. And it's obscuring the other scents from the world around them, you know? I don't know if that makes sense, but... Well, no, it does make sense. And I think it, that's a good example of how... Because I think sometimes we can think... It's hard to consider how the other senses could lead to disease, but I mean, that smell is really great. If you, I worked in an environment one time where the person uh, that I shared an office with really, really loved uh, smelly lotions and chapstick and things like that. (laughs) And it was awful. I mean, it gave me headaches to be in that room. Yeah. Um, And that's like total improper use of that sense. Ooh. Hi. (laughs) You agree, don't you? Stinky things are bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, I know, Th- you know, one, one thing, like, I also think about, so Rogers and Thomas are, like, I find them, uh, when I, when I do intakes, I've had, like, a couple people that are almost, like, it's funny because things like horror movies are often tied to, like, Thomas. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I have a weird, like, kind of. I have some clients that are like really into horror movies, and um, they. It's almost their attachment to watching them. It almost like gets them amped up. It's very like rajasic attachment to this like tamasic thing that um, brings them to a very like dark place. Um, you know, like they kind of enjoy the paranoia and the. It, it, it can be fun like horror movies they, they can be fun you know because they're rajasic and because they're tamasic you know um but it's interesting to see how we can enjoy something because of these things like on occasion or we can get too attached to them we can get addicted to them like the smells um you know like being obsessed with the way that you smell or the sense that you um, have on your body and like drenching yourself in them because you've dulled your senses so much, you know, um, the same yeah. thing happens with addiction. Um, and by addiction, I'm not talking about drugs here, but that probably also applies, but um, addiction to certain things like checking the news right away when you wake up, it's a, it's a rajasic feeling you know you wake up and you need to see what's going on in the world because you feel like there's something you can do about it when in actuality you're still laying in your bed um and checking the news after you you know breathe and thank the universe for being alive it it won't hurt you it's not gonna hurt anybody um the rushing to that high though is the is like 
how I think of Rajas. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And being, I mean, yeah, you get kind of obsessed with giving pleasure to your senses, whatever that is, and that pleasure can be because it heightens them in some way. So seeing something that kind of makes you, that is grotesque, can be pleasurable in some way, right? It can be because it's it's turning your senses on. It's like overusing them in some ways. Same with smells, sounds, things like that. I often think of them in terms of like their relationship to the ego. And by the ego, I mean the part of yourself that masks um, your connection to like the supreme reality for lack of a better word or whatever. So, you know, it, it's Rajas, too much Rajas will in some ways feed the ego like it convin- it convinces you that your role in the world or your participation in um activities that um make you feel uh, that kind of excitement are almost like it's it it's almost it's ego validating and it's not soul validating right yeah. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm explaining it very no, well. No, it does. I really like that ego validating versus soul validating. I mean, soul validating, maybe it goes back to our type one, type two fun. Yeah. Um, yes. Like the type one fun is ego validating. Like you feel good. You put your perfume on and you're like, I like the way this smells. And then you immediately feel better. Like, but that's just the ego saying I feel better. It's not your soul feeling better. Right, like your example of waking up and checking the news, that's your ego saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm connected, I know what's going on, but your soul actually wants the time to breathe and connect to something greater than your phone and yes. the news. <laughs> yes, yeah, it wants something true. I mean, the news is always changing, and like, the world has been... I mean, humanity has been going through these political cycles forever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the politics are always there. I'm not saying they're not important, but they are always there. And you have to feed your soul before you can engage in that part of reality. Like, yes. And I think it's Rajas that tries to trick you into thinking that that is what feeds your soul. Right. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, There's this somebody, I think it's... It's Kino, I think, who's a pretty famous Ashtanga yoga person. Her tagline is, do yoga change change your world or change the world? But that's really true, right? And it doesn't need to be yoga, but it's some sort of connection with the universe, some stepping aside um, and giving your soul the connection rather than your ego, even if it's only for five minutes a day, can make a really big difference in how you feel and how um, your, your being, your ability even to, to affect your world. Your sadhana, In a political right? way, right? Yeah, your sadhana. Yeah. And if your sadhana is to to be an activist, that's even more important to do that first than, than check the news. Yeah. And to make sure that your activism is founded in your connection to the supreme reality, to your to the truth of the universe and not the truth of your ego. Yeah. And yes. I think that that is where a lot of activists or spiritual leaders or leaders in general like this is where a lot of people go wrong because leadership or activism that is founded in service to the ego is really selfish it's not in the it's not grounded in true progress for 
the universe, you know, it's like, it serves the self. And that's where like, you know, that's why we hear about spiritual leaders, like, and like, whatever, everybody who does terrible things, like, they get a lot of power, and that power makes them think that they can do things like, you know, abuse other people, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, a how, why gurus or political leaders kind of go they turn right they started off with some pure intention and then they continue to feed their ego continue to feed their ego and they're off in some scandal right embezzling money or um sexual abuse or thing anything like that any way to abuse your power i think that, that sadhana, sadhana is something that puts this in check it's a space yes. a, a daily practice helps you to connect with the truth of yourself and the truth of your in the universe and it helps you to put that ego in check it helps you to put that relationship with rajas and thomas in check and um i think more people need that <laughs> yeah and you know what i think i suspect any leader any activist that is truly effective for any long period of time is somebody who does have a sadhana whatever that looks like for them um and and is able to continue reconnecting to that over time it because i mean we are really attracted to true things to true people um sometimes our ego wants us to get attracted to the people with power just power but um i don't know i don't know if that makes sense but it it definitely does uh, the, well, the people with power they they have a lot of rajas you know there's a lot of excitement around that and the ability to recognize when you're attracted to a movement or a person with a, a cult of personality around them um, because of their rajasic nature or because of their connection to truth is, is essential for navigating this world. Yes. Yeah. I think. Um yeah, I kind of love, um, it's weird, like, when I started studying Ayurveda, when the doshas of the mind came up, I had, like, I have to, I have, like, one book that I have to reread that I lent out on it. Now that I have, like, different perspective on it, I'd like to see if it aligns with the readings that I did as a student. But, um, but I find that the doshas of the mind are, when I'm, working with people it's really it really helps me to see where their connection to their own path is rooted and that is essential to understand what their relationship to balance and health is yeah um it, it almost always goes back to how they connect to their to their truth, to sattva, to their like their pure state of mind, and to their their ability to connect, what their ability to connect to this looks like, and it's almost always like the first step to helping people achieve balance. You know, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I guess the the question is: Is balance possible if you're not connecting to that truth? And it's probably not. Would be my my gut feeling on that i agree i do um and it's also probably why um a lot of um diets and things like that don't work because they're not actually connecting people to truth or a lot of um workshops and things if you're not if you're not taking time to step back and connect to your truth around something what 
um, what progress are you actually able to make? Yeah. Um, and also like, how do you connect to your Dharma if it's obscured by your connection to your ego? Right. Your ego will yeah. trick you into following your mind will trick you into following paths that hurt your body. And if your body and your mind aren't in sync, you're not going to follow the right path. You know, <laughs> like your mind is constantly making decisions that go against the health of your body. Like how, how many times a day do you reach for a food that isn't good for you or food when you're out hungry or you try to stretch yourself or bend yourself into a pose that hurts your body or like our minds will convince us that we uh, should be doing things that we shouldn't be doing all the time. It's why we drink alcohol. It's what, you know, there's a lot of things that we do that go against. It's our... why we stay up too late. We yeah. watch too much TV. We like, yeah. Um, and like, I think under having a basic understanding of Rajas and Thomas gives us an understanding of why the mind might reach for these things and how disconnected we are from our truth. You know, whenever we're going against the better, um, whenever we go against the, uh, the better interests of our being as on the whole, it's usually the mind that is making the decision in isolation of the body. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think as with the discussion around the qualities, this is something that, like a practice that we can all do, like checking in with ourselves in a different capacity. Um, and it becomes easier and you can start to make different <laughs> different decisions. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Did that... Did that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> my my boy is in here hugging me right now. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um Yeah. I um Yeah, I find I find the doshas of them I mean, we're definitely gonna go into this more in um chapter twelve, like it said. I'm sorry. Yeah, is that where we are? Where are we? No. It'll go we'll go into it more as we go. That's up there. That's uh causes of disease and health um but th it does get into that in causes of disease and health when we go against our physical being we we go against and and when our mind makes decisions that go against the um that go against our better nature the environment that we're in the root of those decisions is usually rajas or thomas um so this will come up again and again as we read uh yeah but it's i think it's neat as with the qualities it's just neat to have them to have that starting point to start considering it and start checking in with yourself i mean it's it's one of those neat daily practices um around almost everything we do you can kind of step back and say like why am i doing this yeah um, what's driving my decision whether it's a purchase like am i driving am i buying this thing because it's actually going to serve me in my life or am i buying this thing because i like the way it makes me look to other people or because there's some weird countdown thing on the internet and that makes me feel a sense of scarcity or you know like what is it that's driving this um 
I mean, just that pause can be so powerful. I mean, that's kind of a little... It's a really neat practice to incorporate into life. Definitely. De- definitely. Um, I think that... Um, and, and I think that's, like, you know, how we mentioned before, like, enforced sadhana, because you have, like, a baby and stuff. Like, kids, like, force you to stop and go, wait, why am I doing this? Is this better for them? Is this better for me? Like, why am I making these decisions? Why am I enforcing these rules? Am I making these rules because they were taught to me as a child and I'm just, like, passing on the behaviors of my parents? Or am I doing this because this is in the best interest of my child? You know, that kind of a thing. Um and I think that, um, yeah, so like, like enforcing some of that on yourself, like putting some of those, um, like taking a, taking a moment to pause before almost every action, getting rid of some of that tikshna quality where you feel like you have to just go in a direction and, um, accomplish something or like move too quickly, um, like slowing down, it helps everybody yeah um the other thing i wanted to say before we because we kind of got into the doshas of the mind but just that whole the sentence that disease um can be rooted in the body or the mind i think so often we forget that disease can start from the mind that something like um your weight can also be related to things in your mind, not just your body. Like, it's all connected. It's all one system. We so frequently dis- try to disconnect the two, and this is some of what we've just been saying anyway, but that they are all connected. Yes. Um, and it's funny how, like, you know, in Western medicine, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, the separation goes so far, like, they don't, like you're the doctors of the mind do not treat the body at all at all um but we store the experiences of the mind and the body because they they share like they share the experience you know right um so when you like gain weight like you said like sometimes it's really the the mind that's holding emotions that are storing themselves in the body and it it is sometimes unrelated to what or how you're eating or um, how much you're moving. Right. Like the weight can be your body protecting itself from something, right? So from some traumatic experience or any other number of things, your body can then decide that it needs to hold on to things as a protection. I think that during um, COVID, I've talked to more people who have gained weight and um, it's like very clear to me that they've gained weight because of the stress involved with this abrupt and sudden life change and the fear that goes along with interacting with people you know <laughs> like it's like scary yeah yeah, yeah. and um and i think that um you know it's something that most people like don't consider when they're like looking at it they're like oh i'm just sedentary that's it suddenly i don't do anything and then you're like oh well, do you really not do anything and they're like well i walk my dog every day and i'm not really snacking and then you're like oh well you know are you stressed out yes i have high high anxiety oh okay well <laughs> and then when maybe you look that's at, why yeah <laughs> yeah and you look at their food and their their you know their food intake and like how much they're actually moving and then you're like oh you just need to breathe more <laughs> right you need to like slow your mind down a little bit so that way your body can catch up with your mind 
Um, should we move on to the next one? Yeah, sure. All right. So, um, Rogi Roga Pariksha, examination of the patient. Um, the Rogi patient should be examined by Darshana inspection, Sparshana palpitation, and Prashna interrogation. Roga disease should be examined by its Nidana causes etiology, um, Pragrupa, prodromata, premonitory symptoms, Lakshana, specific signs and symptoms, clinical features, Upashaya, diagnostic tests, and Apti, samprapti pathogenesis. The notes say these will be explained in detail in chapter one of Nidana Stana. Um, I did take a note on this, did I? Let's see, Rogi Roga. There it is. So basically, in short, the patient is examined and checked for physical symptoms through sight and palpitation, which reveals some internal symptoms, and is questioned. Um, uh, basically, uh, disease is looked at through causes and symptoms, premonitory and clinical, and then testing is done. And but basically, I what I took from that is that the patient's um, own, um, like their own experience is part of the um, is an essential part of the diagnostic procedure yes Um, yeah it's not just a test right so you can do a test and figure out something but the person's own like for instance the the um a kind of generic person you were talking about with anxiety that happens to have to be overweight if you can you can look at them and they can calculate their bmi or maybe look at like blood sugar levels and things and and find out a western disease name but, like, talking to that person is the only way you're going to figure out the root of that disease. Yeah. Or, yeah, like, where it comes from and, um, and like, why it's happening, you know? Like, you can't figure out where, where, where it comes from unless you've interrogated quite a bit. Um, I think an amazing thing about doing Ayurvedic intakes with people is that I often when people tell me that they experienced certain, you know, traumatic or, um, like health, um, when they've had health scares, I can almost always say, what else was going on in your life at that time? And it always correlates with some stressful life event. Yeah. It's surprising, isn't it? And also then not surprising why we're all kind of sick if we're all under a lot of stress all the time. Do we have anything else that we want to say about this one? Um, I think we can wrap it up like there. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, because we're going into kinds of habitat and kinds of time and kinds of therapies after this. Yeah, um, and they kind of tie together. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, we're yeah. almost through chapter chapter one. I know, isn't that amazing? And by almost, I mean we have like ten more pages. <laughs> We're going so fast. Uh, But yeah, I mean, yeah, with this one, it just, the whole idea of actually listening to someone's experience and that the same disease can have um, different causes depending on the person is 
I think, really comforting to know. Um, and, you know, medical gaslighting about you go and you say you say you feel something and they're like, nope, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> is, I guess, the antithesis of this. Right. Um, medical gaslighting. I like that. That's, that's really what it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, all right. I think that, uh, I think that we're good. Let's aim for, let's aim for Friday again. We'll try and, we'll try and do two this week. So that way we can like get back on schedule. Yeah. I think that sounds great. All right. Um, cool. Yeah. Yay. Thanks right. for listening, everybody. Everybody. Yeah, thanks for listening. All the people that listen to us <laughs> go through this half a page at a time forever. And if people have questions or comments or something, they can also get in touch with us, right? I yeah. Mean, we, it, it can be a collective discussion, too. So. Or, if, or if, like, you're somebody who's also on this path and you want to read with us um, and talk about this stuff a little, we'd love to um, entertain... Uh, a guest sometime so reach out yeah yeah exactly Uh, right all right well thank you yeah thanks so much daniel okay talk to you it was fun all right bye. bye